Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. The information depicted in this podcast is purely for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle or routine. Hey everyone and welcome to the Boost Your Biology podcast. My name is Lucas and I'm the founder of Ergogenic Health. Together in this podcast series, we will go underground to explore cutting edge health and human performance insights that you simply cannot search on Google to help you upgrade your existence. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Alrighty, guys, welcome to yet another episode of the Boost Your Biology podcast. Today, I'm joined in by Ryan Carter uh, from the UK, um, and we're going to be chatting all things nutrition, lifestyle, a little bit on biohacking, and potentially delve into a couple of diets, or a few diets actually, um, just to sort of you know brainstorm and bounce some ideas. So, Ryan, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Lucas. Thanks for uh, letting me come on. Awesome. So I guess we'll sort of start out by giving my listeners a bit of an introduction into your story and sort of maybe how you got into nutrition. Uh, So quite simply, I had my own health issues. Like you'll see it's very common in this sort of industry. Most practitioners, coaches, whatever you want to call them, they had their own health. They had their own health issues. Um, and it just basically, you just want to discover more, find out more what's the root cause, deep diving deeper. Um, and that was, that was the same thing with me. So I had my own health issues. Like I just said, there's some mold issues. There was some heavy metals. There's an eating disorder as well thrown in there. So I've got very like essentially anorexic, anorexic. So half my body weight, which I am now basically. And that gave me the spark to transform my life, not just personally, but my career as well. Um, and then once I literally got my, my toes in, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I just, just dived in deeper and just started uncovering, uncovering things, questioning things, um, and just adding value. Um, and that's essentially what I do now. So I'm a registered nutritionist. 
uh, just recently just qualified in the UK. And that's my line of work, just helping people, removing the obstacles, guiding people, just like we just touched on briefly before we jumped on this. There's a lot of information out there. It's heavily saturated and it's very confuse, confusing. It's the same thing in like the diet space or diets. Um, it's very confusing. What do you believe? Who do you listen to? Um, and that's what I do. My job is to understand the nuance, understand the context, and make that applicable to individuals and to achieve their goals. Um, and everyone has different goals and different beliefs as well. Um, so that's what I do. I, I basically connect the dots quite simply. Mm. Yeah, it's a very, um, a very empowering process when you, when you do connect those dots and you see you, you, you pull things together and um, give people the tools that they need to, I guess, take control of their own health. Because, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that you're similar in that regard. You'd like to give people the tools and, and the knowledge that they need to, I guess, not so much rely on seeking out external help, but giving them the knowledge they need to, to become better humans um, ultimately. So I guess we can um, transition into um, maybe a little bit about something that's trending very much at the moment, and that is the carnivore diet. So did you want to maybe express your opinion or maybe where it falls short or the, the benefits, things like that? around the carnivore diet? Yeah, well, there's, there's obviously multiple benefits being that it's, it's high in protein. Like we know, protein is very important for the body. Um, it's the building block of the human body, provides neurotransmitters, uh, enzymes, which are fundamental to how we um, transcribe DNA, everything. Um, so it's rich in nutrients, B vitamins, minerals, more bioavailable. Um, obviously, the drawbacks is that it's lacking fiber, it's lacking phytonutrients, it's obviously lacking carbohydrates as well. Um, but at the same time, it does remove some issues for some people with some plant toxins, some anti nutrients. So, it, again, it's context dependent whether the person is ready for a carnivore diet, whether they need to do it. Um, and just weighing up the pros and cons. Um, but I do feel like it's obviously sparked up because there's two different camps. So you've got one extreme to the other. So the veganism and then carnival. Um, and we've forgotten about like the whole middle ground, middle ground. And even above that would be about the understanding of how food's created and both camps miss out and misunderstand, um, how food is created and the seasonal variation, um, the light, the magnetism, uh, which is involved in how food is created. Um, either they just, or even going down, they just focus on calories and disregard to any macronutrients there is or food quality, which we know is massively important. Um, and just focus on calories, uh, which I don't like either. So I don't, I don't like either camps. Um, and I don't take any sides. I do believe personally, I know I personally function better on an animal-based diet, but that doesn't mean I'm a carnivore at all. It just maximizes the, the pros, but minimizes the, the negatives as well. Um, and that's seasonal de uh, dependent. So in the summer, obviously, in the UK, there's abundance of vegetation and plants. That's obviously the best time to consume these plants alongside the sun, which is in the background here. So those two work synergistically together 
uh, in biochemistry terms. Um, and then in the winter or autumn transition into the winter, you just need to look outside, look in the farmer's market and you'll see that the, the plants are dwindling. There's just really just dark leafy greens and that's going to dictate your plate. So for me to eat bananas and mangoes in the winter in the UK is just literally delusional. Um, it literally makes no sense. No, it makes no sense. But if you, if you, but if, if you think, oh, like, what's he talking about? Mangoes and bananas are healthy. Like, that's that's the that's the belief because humans have the ability to think they're smarter than nature essentially and think that they can tr transport these fruits or wherever it is around the world and you can even put it into like coconut oil as well so coconut oil is um is not safe from some of this sort of way of thinking too so it's a tropical fat we should really be eating it in the winter uh, my belief is that it's that we shouldn't and that's that's laced like it's, it's all laced into the chemical structure of these these nutrients as well what we know about the carbon not we know about the hydrogen and obviously it's not just everyone and this is a it's another thing everyone thinks that like vegetables is really good for you because it's high in water and they presume that it's actually hydrogen what they don't realize is there's an actual another isotope of hydrogen it's called deuterium and that is basically uh, an isotope of hydrogen so it's sort of similar um, but the chemical structure is a little bit different it contains a neutron in in the nucleus and that what is that's what makes it double the double the atomic weight of hydrogen and that slows down the atp production essentially the atpas and also it influences the glycolysis so we're thinking about how we actually manufacture energy in the, um, the cytosol first and glycolysis. And then we go into the Krebs cycle. And the whole thing of the Krebs cycle is literally to strip off the hydrogens and make it more bioavailable to enter the, uh, the electron transport chain. And that's when we have the dehydrogenase enzymes to strip off the hydrogens. And it doesn't work with deuterium. Um, but there's ways around that. So when you're in the UV light, you're basically mitigating the effects because your body is is able to handle the deuteriums uh, sufficiently better. Uh, so that, that comes back to the, the way we should be eating more local, more seasonal. Uh, and literally cannot go wrong with that. Um, but obviously there is times when there's somebody who just is really struggling with the amount of fiber or the oxalates or the lectins FODMAPs, so like it, there'll be a time and place for it and it's a tool essentially it's a tool in the toolbox just like the keto diet um just like FOD, low FODMAP just like uh whatever you want to call it the tools in the toolbox absolutely man so from a practical point of view though um in terms of somebody adhering to maybe like a deuterium depleted um diet in a sense or like or consuming the deuterium depleted water. Did you ever run any experiments yourself? Like, did you ever experiment with that at all? Like, if you have you ever tasted Icelandic water? Uh, Can you get it in Australia? It's like a brand, uh, glacier water, basically from from Iceland. Like the, the taste in the water alone, you can taste the difference between that and Evian. And the difference between the deuterium, the parts per particles per matter, is literally. I think the Icelandic is like 40 parts per minute, uh, no, maybe 60. And then like an Evian would be around like 130. So you can taste the difference. 
but I haven't actually run experiments per se, but you will notice it big time in terms of your function, uh, cognition. And it's also the way that we extract energy. So this goes back to the hydrogen bonding network of the, the cell and how we create energy. So everyone just thinks like ATP is the currency of energy, but it's a little bit, little bit more than that. So ATP is used. It's also we create heat and energy, uh, and that would be infrared heat and extremely low frequency UV light as well. And basically that is what um, is used to, to basically structure the water inside the cell. And that is what is the, uh, that's what is used with the electrical charge um, as we're electrical human beings. Uh, so that is the real uh, way the electrical current we have in our cells and the way that hydrogen works because hydrogen is the most predominant atom molecule in our body. Um, mm. so, did, uh, uh, so I haven't actually done any experiments per se, but you can see it looking at your, um, a good one would be seeing your bun creatinine uh, ratio. And you can see if someone's actually dehydrated or hydrated, and that would work on a urea cycle with a fumarate, um, fumarase enzyme in the in the Krebs cycle and you can see how well someone's actually hydrated or dehydrated and that will go back to whether it be from them eating a lot of uh, deuterium foods or if they're in a in a emf soup in like a in like london where i am right now so that's a good metric to see and that's all that would also reflect your vitamin d status so if you're dehydrated in your cell you won't be able to make vitamin D because there's a step on the skin with seven dehydrocholesterol, which needs a isomerization. So um, the light will be hitting the skin and there'll be a part of the water which is needed to make that enzymatic reaction occur. Yeah, obviously you, you, you briefly touched on the EMF soup that you're currently yeah. smothered, smothered in. Um, yeah, so it's, well, it's not where I'm right now. Like, I do bring my reader out, and like, if I'm going to be working out, like, in a coffee shop or outside from a predominantly a large part of the day, I'll bring my reader with me and just get like see how much is there. Um, but it, it's again, it's it's not about I, I fear five G or four G or EMFs and stuff like that. Obviously, I'm using technology right now. I'm not scared of it. Um, yeah. I use it in the in in the the state of empowerment. So. I'm aware of it. Um, I know I can mitigate some effects of it to a certain degree, ensuring that my sleep's good, eating well, stress, grounding, sunlight, all these things. Um, but like, there's a, there's a small percentage of the population which are extremely electromagnetic sensitive, um, and they're not even aware of it. But it, it, there's a thing, like, um, and it's even the WHO, World Health Organization, um, if you believe much what they say, they even they even put it out there. That, what, what do they actually say? What do they say about the? What do they? Um, so they say that that it, that it is well aware. We are well aware, or it's well recognised that there is uh, electromagnetic sensitive hyper hyper sensitive uh population which is about i think it's about five percent of the population uh, and i think that's what it is in the uk as well um hmm. yeah is part of is part of the um sensitivity to it the influence that it has on um disrupting calcium signaling because I've, I've heard a lot about it disrupting yeah. the whole calcium signaling cascade things like that yeah, that's great. So it, it creates the flux of calcium inside the inside the cell and mitochondria, 
uh, and that would increase peroxynitrate. Yeah. So then that obviously affects the magnesium, the electrical charge uh, we have in the cell, and so of course a pseudo hypoxia state, which obviously causes issues in terms of how we shuttle um, electrons into the how we shuttle electrons into the mitochondria. Yeah. So it, and there's a thing of like it's a it's a semiconductor as well. So. Uh, so we got, um, there's, a, there's actually a, a research paper the other day where it looked at 5G and the coronavirus and it showed that the epidermis actually, um, the epidermis cell, uh, it, I can't remember what this exact, exact thing was, but it was like the, it caused an inflammatory response to 5G in the skin because basically it's, we have topological insulators um, and it, the 5G can jump and conduct on our collagen essentially because com- wow. collagen is a semiconductor. Um, so it can absorb and emit light. Interesting. Well, speaking of, um, speaking of light, um, I know you're a huge fan of, and I'm, I'm the same as you, like first thing in the morning, trying to get that early morning light exposure. Um, but I mean, I guess even in London, you'd have some pretty dark days. So how, how do you go about that? What do you, what are your, what are your protocols there? For, for the winter? Yeah. Yeah. Um, literally you just got to get outside, whether it's gray or cloudy, it doesn't matter. There's still going to be some lux there. Um, so that's luminous. So that's the brightness, uh, but it's also the color, the, the spectrum of light will still come through. So we're still going to get the, the near infrared, which makes up 40 42% of the, the light, which hits, um, the ground, the earth. Um, and it's just, you're just missing out on the UVB portion. Obviously you get a slightly lower amount of UVA, but you do get a little bit, I believe in the winter, some, some parts of the winter. Um, and my belief would be, again, it's sort of about the whole thing about food is like your body has evolved and been designed to, to live in the environment you find yourself in. Um, so for me, that would mean, obviously there's no UVB and vitamin D in the winter time, but I would have been stocked up in the summer. I would actually put a little bit of fat on and wait to store the vitamin D appropriately. Um, and it'll be buried away. And obviously from, uh, beta oxidation from, uh, breaking down f- fat, essentially, I would be able to liberate the vitamin D and utilize it over the winter period and then come out fairly leaner um, after winter and then repeat the process again. And if I did need to top up on it, I'd just eat some oily fish perhaps um, because there's a lot. I live on an island in, in the United Kingdom and uh, there's loads of fish around. Um, or eat eggs and stuff like that. But I wouldn't, I, my belief is that you don't need to supplement vitamin D. Um, like again, if there's inflammation in place, if you're dehydrated in your cell, magnesium stores, then of course your vitamin D status is going to be low. Um, but it, it goes on top of that. It's about sorting out your environment and your lifestyle to be, for you to be able to absorb the light and not be scared about light or sun and skin damage and stuff like that because yeah you can get damaged through the sun uh for too much exposure which like which i would never suggest anyone to do but it's, there's a way in being smart about it it's like a personal trainer you don't get someone to squat 200 kilos when they just start squatting you actually build them up you do maybe some lunges first you maybe do get them to do some uh, safety bar squats first 
or you just look at um, like the biomechanics. You don't just chuck a large amount of weight on. And that's the same thing when you're going out in the sun. Um, we just lack the education around it, um, the understanding to use it. Uh, instead of abusing it when we're just basically, when we, like, for example, loads of people from the UK would be indoors, working indoors in an office, and then suddenly it's summertime and they decide to go to Spain or to Greece or somewhere. And then they're obviously drinking out there, the circadian rhythms messed up because they're drinking at night, they're jet lagged. All these sorts of things are going to have an effect on their ability and their skin um, and skin damage. Um, so it's, it's just the understanding and nuance around that. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I guess um, for some people that want to, <clears throat> I guess, improve their own endogenous um, defenses against the damaging effects of sunlight, they can they can look into just supporting, I guess, like antioxidant defenses through specific yeah. foods. I mean, there's there's so many foods that have been shown to help block the negative effects of um, sunlight and even certain yeah. supplements as well. Yeah, for sure. And you'll see that with the phytonutrients. So if you're carnivore, you really need to make sure your NADPH levels are really high and your melatonin levels are really high because you're not going to be getting the phytonutrients found in plant foods. And that's basically what plant foods are for. They're for to protect your skin, essentially. That's all it is. Um, but I really don't think the, the minerals in plant foods are substantial um, to a degree just because they have anti-nutrients like phytates, uh, oxalates, which bind onto the minerals in the first place. So for me, phytonutrients, plant foods are predominantly just, well, a lot, a large part of it is literally for the, for sun exposure. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and you just need to look at it. They're grown in high altitudes or they're grown around the equator in the tropics for that very reason. It's a plant mechanism to, to repair themselves, the chloroplasts, um, from the oxidizing effect of, of sun exposure. Yeah, I think um, another element to that, I guess, is the fact that a lot of those polyphenols, although they've been researched to have like anti-cancer properties in vivo, things like that in vitro, I think from, I mean, the other the other approach at looking at that is the influence that it has on the microbiome. And that's something mm. we can sort of discuss now. Like, do you, do you feel like that the, the carnivore diet can compromise the microbiome? What are your thoughts? I, I don't know in the long term. I think in a short term, it was fine for most. Um, but like we're, we're trying to compare like most people who get on a carnival diet, they're going to have compromised health in the first place. You literally won't have optimal health and go, oh, I'm going to go on a carnival diet. It's not the case. Typically, your gut will be compromised and you would have done some investigation and then you would have gone on a carnival diet. So I don't think general public should really go on a carnival diet for that purpose. Um, but I do think your, the short-term effects, I don't think there'll be any. Um, and I think Paul Salamandino, he's recently done a microbiome test to show that he's got great diversity. Um, and even there's some, your species adapt um, and they always change. Uh, and one of my mentors, Jack Cruz, he'll be like, the diet really is not the be-all and end-all. And that even goes back to a guy called uh, Jeff uh, Leach, Lynch, Leach, I think his name is. And he was studying the Hazda uh, and noticed that the microbiomes from consuming a large amount of sugar 
and then consuming a large amount of meat was very adaptive. Um, but predominantly the, the main phyla, the main species, they were, they always remained. And that comes back down to the environment because they were basically naked, uh, they're connected to the ground. It didn't really change that much in terms of the, the, the main species there, but there was points where it did spike and go up. And I think, I think, I think Western, uh, Western yeah, just I think it's accumulation effect of just poor environment, poor, poor light exposure, mm. stress as well. Obviously, shapes exercise. All these factors do uh, influence the microbiome. So it's literally not just food focus. I think it's a variety of things which influence the microbiome, um, and even nutrients as well. Um, yeah. And I think yeah, it's just a reflection of overall health, not just diet diet per se but predominantly a lot of my clients come in and they have poor um, butyrate uh, producing um, bacteria a lot of them I'd say like 90% of them um, and whether it be from antibiotics whether it be from glyphosate um, uh, whether it be just some possibly heavy metals all these factors um, so obviously we know butyrate and the other short chain fatty acids are really important um, systemically for health, not just literally for our colonial sites. Um, so that, yeah. I'm uh, I, I, sorry, I went down a rabbit hole and I forget the actual question. So I do, I don't, I do not know in the long term. Uh, short term, I don't think there'll be a, an effect. To be honest with you, and I think yeah. a lot of people who have got compromised gut health, they would benefit benefit that instead of going crazy with the cruciferous vegetables and juices which is heavily like loaded with fertilizer glyphosate and it's literally like a shot uh, a chemical soup in a sense yeah unless obviously it's organic you know what the waters um what what basically they're feeding them uh, the ground obviously the soil is really depleted compared to like 60 years ago um, so I don't think you're getting all the nutrients in the plants that we think we are uh, alongside our compromised digestion and our bacteria species, which all influence our nutrient status of, our, of the body. Yeah, I very much agree with, uh, with a lot of what you just said there. Um, you also mentioned um, a little bit of, on butyrate and you said that a lot of your clients you've seen have actually had low butyrate. How did you, did you do like stool testing to figure that out or what did you? Yeah. So, so like there's, there's not a, for, like I said, there's not a perfect test and no test is hundred percent accurate for sure. Yeah. Uh, no matter what they say, all test companies will say that they're there like supplement companies. Yeah. They're there to sell a product uh, and it's a business. So, um, what I see on stool tests is that, yeah, it'll be a stool test, three day stool tests. I think either a GI map or a GI 360. That's the ones I typically run. Right. And, um, but even it's, it's interesting, even organic acid tests, you do find a lot about the gut as well. Uh, be it from oxalates, be it from candida. Um, yes, that, that's also a useful test. Yeah. I guess we'll maybe segue into a little bit on food intolerances. Cause I know that's discussed quite a lot, um, in the health circles and things like that. So maybe yep. what's your opinion on, why food intolerances are becoming so prevalent these days? Uh, so, it, it, again, it's a systemic issue being that the body's not aligned. So, mm. it's hyper, either hypervigilant 
or it's not vigilant enough. Um, and it's basically we'd want homeostasis. We want equilibrium. Uh, and if, if there's, if, and this comes down to vitamin D as well, just cause we know it regulates the immune system of the T regulatory cells, uh, natural killer cells, all that kind of stuff. So again, it comes back down to the environment and it comes down to your nervous system, of course, which obviously stems in your brain and that's influenced by light, stress. Um, so it's no wonder why people are going to be more hypersensitive, intolerant to foods. And then that's why you go down that belief that it's all about the diet when it actually is not. You really need to take off your, your glasses or your spectacles or focus on the diet. It's the bigger picture uh, in terms of health. Take off, um, take off your blue blockers. Yeah, well, yeah, but like, uh, or take yeah, take off your sunglasses. But like, yeah, um, that's my belief in terms of food tolerances. And it would be actually, I don't believe in the testing around it. I think the elimination diet or taking foods in and out um, is the best way to go by. Um, possibly, if you did want to test, like a before and after, say if you did have loads of reactions, see what you're reacting to, and then maybe six months down the line when your health is improved, we test again, see see if it actually corresponds. Yeah, of course. All right, maybe we can um, discuss a little bit about. Um, it's again a little bit of a controversial topic, and that is all about detoxification, because um, you know you get a lot of. Western medicine claiming that detoxification is a myth and there's no, there's no benefit of even trying to enhance detoxification. So maybe do you want to discuss a little bit on that and how that fits in with the whole wellness? Um, yeah. Well, what it comes down to the belief, I, I like, I do agree in certain, in some things like the, the detox teas, the juices, yeah. cleanses, the marketing spill. I do agree with it. So I can see the point and the sort of conventional focused approach. But at the same time, we do need to detox. We, we do have nutrient deficiencies. We do have more stress. We do have more obesity. We move less. We sleep poor. So all these things are going to influence our body's way of detoxifying, which does occur naturally. Um, and there's also the genetic side of things uh, on top of that. Um, so I think that I think you really need to see instead of doing it yourself. I really do think like the same thing um, when you have driving lessons, you, you have a driving teacher. I think that should be the same thing of the human body as well. There should be a teacher, a coach to point you into the right direction um, to help you out. But look on your SNPs um, to see your sulfation pathways, to see your glutathione uh, pathways, to see if there's any heavy metals there, to see if there's mold, um, to see in magnesium, which we know we need to have good amounts for the CYP enzymes. Mm. Um, so I, I would be a big believer instead of, instead of going in things blind and wasting money on supplements and cleanses and con that kind of stuff, speak to someone, but at the same time, do your homework. Um, find a practitioner who you are aligned with. Um, find one who just doesn't focus on supplements and saying they're going to cure you and all that kind of crap. Um, 
and it's an investment. So you're investing them, you're putting faith in that practitioner. So it's a big thing. Um, and when I was working on my own health uh, and I had no clue about health, I was very, I, I wasted a lot of money on some, some crappy practitioners out there, uh, spent a crazy amount of money on testing. Uh, and then I, I magically found one person. It was like, bang, um, molds the issue. And let's focus on that. And then like my, my health improved to a certain extent. And then that's when I got into in, in learning uh, myself and, and wanted to become a nutritionist and dived in deeper. Uh, yeah. I hope that answers your question. Uh, question yeah. So I do think the, that I think detox does have a place. Um, but at the same time, also, um, there's a guy called Dr. Brian Walsh. I'm not sure if you heard of him. Uh, but he's like a lot of a, a large amount of the population are not healthy enough to detox. So detoxify, detoxify, whether you know what's there, the heavy metals, uh, mold. Are you able to handle the detoxification in the first place? Because it's like a huge burden to release it, and essentially the toxins will be stored in the fat tissue, not like the liver that most people think, uh, but the fat tissue, and it'll be stored away because because the body will put it away in a safe place and not accumulate it in the brain, the liver, the kidneys, the heart. And it will only be like when there's a large amount in the fat tissue or there's no adipose tissue there because you might be leptin resistant, for example, or wherever it is. And then it will start accumulating in the, the brain. But we know the brain is a fat, um, a large proportion of fat. So there are, there is of course some toxins that do store there in the first place, but toxins do store around everywhere, but predominantly it'd be largely in the fat tissue away from the high reactive centers of the body. Absolutely. So what about, um, I know that you're also a bit of a fan of coconut, uh, like oil, oil pulling. Yeah. Um, for my listeners, they wouldn't. Majority of them probably have never heard of it before. But do you want to maybe explain a little bit about the practice itself and where, where it even historically stemmed from? So, uh, I can never pronounce the word. I can never pronounce it. You put it Ayurvedic. Ayurveda. 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 Yeah, I, I don't know why I can't pronounce it. Ayurveda. So it stems from there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was just you're swiggling basically coconut oil around the mouth and coconut oil is high in lauric acid. Um, so that's a short chain fatty acid, I believe, I think, or a medium. Uh, it, it's a fat, basically, I think it's either a short or medium fatty acid. And basically it has an antimicrobial, antiviral um, properties. And you're basically removing the biofilms, the plaque inside the oral um, mouth, and you can add some essential oils. You can add some xylitol to enhance the uh, breakdown of the biofilms and, add some, uh, and it adds a nice bit of flavor. Um, but same again, like you look at lauric acid and it would have been derived, well, the other largest source is human breast milk. Um, so we'd naturally got that as a baby. Uh, so just interesting to see why coconut oil is a good, a good choice. And it comes back to breast milk. And we know, we obviously know how important breast milk is um, as, as a baby in shaping our microbiome, in shaping our immune tolerance um, and providing nutrients as well. Absolutely. So yeah, but at the same time, I don't like, you still need to 
you still would need to brush your teeth. Uh, it's not a free pass. Um, and at the same time, if you still got, if you have got dental issues, it doesn't replace what a dentist can do. Um, so it's just understanding that. And it's the same thing with everything else. When you see supplements or a superfood, it doesn't replace an optimal lifestyle and diet. Well, the optimal lifestyle, which includes diet food. Yeah, I guess people can look at it as just another way to complement. Um, For sure, yeah. yeah. I, and I mean, like, like there, yeah, there is some studies to support enhancing um, teeth whitening and and that, which is which is cool. But it's not something to go like, wow, this is the best thing for whitening teeth. It's not like that. It's like a partial beneficial response, um, and it's it's like most of these things, which are natural, are. Oh, it's a line for like most things are natural, but they're not, they're not. You can't compare them to drugs in the way that they mechanistically work. They're not silver bullets. They're just um, additional perks, essentially. Yeah, yeah, I guess sort of like bonus, like little bonus. Yeah, yeah, like 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 the cherry on the cake, essentially. Yeah. So if I had if I had teeth problems or uh, gum issues. I wouldn't put all my bet, like I wouldn't put all my money essentially on coconut oil pulling to resolve them. I'd obviously see a hygiene, a holistic hygienist, or a biological dentist, get their expert opinion. And, it, and, and, and that comes down to like, it's like business and you should treat your body like a business and delegate to the right people who you have faith in. Um, so that's my approach. Yeah. It's a very, um, yeah, I guess it's, it's a pragmatic, very pragmatic and respecting, yeah. respecting your scope of practice as well, which is. Yeah, for sure. And like whether someone's doing with a, a mental health or, a, or um, a trauma issue, like for me, I understand the mechanics around it, but I'm not a specialist there. So I refer out and it's the same thing with personal training. I'm a personal trainer, but at the same time, it's not my expertise. So I'd refer out, um, and like for me, that's what a nutritionist should be. It should be the understanding of all systems, not a reductionist yeah. approach to say it's all about the gut. I mean, it's treating the gut first, and that's where like what Hippocrates said is all that disease begins in the gut. Perhaps in like the like 1600s when he was alive, but like not this day and age. It's it, we have many other factors on like compared to then. So mm. yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, we're obviously getting to the end of the, um, the episode and my battery's about to die. So, um, I guess maybe we'll finish off with one final question and that is in regards to immune health. Obviously that's something that a lot of people are focusing on right now. So maybe do you want to give my listeners, maybe your, maybe a few strategies that you think are going to do the 80, 20 in terms of supporting overall immune health. Uh, so first one would be stress. So making sure you're you're doing some mindful practices. Like it doesn't mean you need to be cross-legged in a park, uh, doing meditation for 20 minutes or an hour every day and stuff like that. It, it could be anything what you want it to be to take your mind off things, to make you relax, whether it be walking the park, uh, watching a film, just taking time for yourself uh, in any shape or form. So that would be the most important one. In what I believe because how the nervous system works in the whole body. The next one, making sure circadian rhythm will be uh, highly functional and performing um, for your body, not going against it. So making sure your, your sleep routine 
is on point. You're blocking artificial light at night, um, so we're not inhibiting, inhibiting the release of melatonin. Making sure you get some outdoor sun exposure. Again, not burning like a crisp. Be smart about it. Get some light throughout the day because there's different frequencies and um, different frequencies at different points of the day. Um, and having a routine in place. Um, so waking up, at, trying to wake up at the same time each day, trying to go to bed at the same time each day. And that's the same thing with food as well. Having the same food, like trying to keep to a food routine with timings. Uh, and after a while, your, your digestion will actually improve because your body will be primed at that specific time. Uh, and you'll be like your, your parasympathetic, parasympathetic, well, why, why can't I pronounce that one? Uh, your PNS system basically will yeah. be primed to be salivating at the time. Your, your digestive juices will be primed at that time. And just eating food which feels right for you, um, focusing more on the nutrition, nutrient side of things, whole foods. Um, so forgetting what I said earlier about the deuterium and all these kind of things. If you, like, for most people, you don't need to go to that degree, to that level. Um, if you, for the first part, for the first stage, you'll literally just be focusing on whole food, un, unadulterated, uh, and just starting from there. Um, and just keeping it simple and keeping it fun as well. So if it's something that you want to enjoy, you want to invest the time in your health, um, you want to feel good about yourself, it shouldn't be a chore. It shouldn't be a chore to be cooking. Of course, there's more fun things to be doing than cooking, but still we need to consume food. Um, and we might as well enjoy it, enjoy it and um, have a sense of purpose about it and understand why. Why are we doing this? I think that's a big part. So like when you're asking questions, when you understand why, you're going to have more attachment to it. Um, and that affects your behavior. And that's why literally calories don't work on that, that premise long term um, because it's not put in the why. Uh, and, and it's just basically flawed in the long term. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, sweet. So um, that pretty much, I guess, obviously some awesome little takeaways there. And, and I love the fact how you, you know, emphasizing the, the sustainability aspect, something that people can commit to. It's not just things that people can latch onto and then receive a bit of a, a benefit in the short run. So um, yeah. we're going to have to wrap it up because my battery is going to die. So I want to quickly end by um, giving my listeners a chance to connect with you um, if they want to, um, you know, get to know your services and things like that, where can they, where can they find you? Just on my website, that will be livevitae.com, L-I-V-E-V-I-T-A-E.com. Um, and just send me an email. Um, that's the best way to get in touch with me. So Instagram, DM messages, um, just, just send me an email. It's much more manageable. Beautiful. All right. Well, thanks Ryan for coming on the show and, um, we'll be in touch very shortly. Thanks everyone for joining in. Thank you. Thank you everyone for joining in to today's episode. For in-depth show notes and lessons learned, visit nofilter.media forward slash boost your biology. This has been a No Filter Media production. Say what you want. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.